Chapter 12 Graduation Bosch, July 29th and 30th, 2349 I take a deep breath as I stand in front of the door of the meeting room a few minutes before the decision meeting. As I tried to sleep last night, the possible outcomes of the next morning's meeting kept playing in my head as dreams. Sometimes I spoke passionately and the officers were moved to tears and asked for my forgiveness. Other times they dragged me to a prison cell and when they threw me in it, I turned and he was there. The whole night was half dream, half nightmare. And I finally decided early to just get up and go for a long run. I ran around the green with its brick pathways crisscrossing it and the Bosch pirate force flag fluttering above it in the early morning breeze. I ran past the airfield and then the large and small vessels and then I circled the entirety of the BPF perimeter and paused on the rise that let me see the grounds. I was struck by such longing to be a part of this. I'm from the North Country, but I never felt I belonged. Bellcoast was a nightmare and Bosch, well, Bosch feels like home. And in a wave of emotion that surprised me, I realized I want a home and I want it to be Bosch. I stand at the door in my dress uniform of black leggings and a mid-sleeved black tunic fastened with a braided solid black belt, which indicates my rank. Recruit. Hopefully. I had meticulously tidied and smoothed it while I prepped for this morning's meeting. Now I resolve to do whatever it takes not to lose my home. I square my shoulders and set my jaw. I won't go down without a fight. I turn the knob and the door swings open. I see a younger man sitting at a desk. There's no one else in the large room. No long table of generals and commanders for me to convince. Just this one fellow. I feel a bit disoriented and turn to check the room number, 204. It's the right one. Recruit Katrina Wallace? The young man looks up at me from his seat. Yes, that's me. My voice sounds small in this large room. Generals Rainey, Baldwin, Sampson, Montes, and McLean, and the commanders have asked for me to provide you with this letter, detailing their decision and the subsequent consequences. He stands and offers me the letter. I stare at his hand and the folded piece of paper as if it's a poisonous snake. Then I reach out and take it. Glancing at the secretary, I open and scan through it. The hand that holds it drops weakly to my side. Seriously? I inquire of the secretary, whom I now see has the last name of Valencia inscribed on his uniform breast pocket. Trooper Valencia nods. I expect they were serious, yes. He hands me a writing pen. If you could sign and return the back page, stating you have received and will comply with the contents of the letter. Okay. My voice is weak. I scrawl my name on the back page of the letter and hand it back to him. Then I turn and head back through the door that I never closed. Would it be bad to get a drink at Abe Bell's? I slide into my usual seat at the far back of this, my final class of recruitment. The room is buzzing as recruits talk amongst themselves before class begins. I always sit away from everyone. Raheem and Fred are sitting with their motley group a row away from me. They all eventually ended up coming to evening gym nights, even though I had initially protested. But in reality, it was fun showing them some of the things Tommy had taught me. I look at the folded piece of paper sitting on my top book. I get up and move to the open desk next to Raheem, who looks at me in surprise. I lean toward him and Fred. I don't know what you guys all said, but thanks. I owe you. They look confused, so I hand them my letter. To Trooper Katrina Wallace, from Select Committee in Charge of Discipline. The charges of assault and insubordination against you that were brought before this table were serious and could merit court-martial. 
Interviews were conducted with your instructors and recruit classmates, and while a few saw a pattern of disobedience and non-cooperation, the vast majority of your classmates and instructors saw you as a positive influence and a strong voice for the voiceless. It was noted that you had taken on extra work to improve through the recruit period and had assisted others in moving forward as well. With this in mind, it is the decision of this table that you can still be a credit to the Bosch Pirate Force, and we elect not to recommend court-martial. You will be allowed to participate in graduation. However, due to the serious nature of the infractions, the following consequences are required. Consequences 1. Kitchen prep and cleanup duty nightly for four weeks. 2. No attendance of the pre-graduation smoker. 3. A formal witnessed in-person apology to Trooper Michelle Romero. 4. Probationary status for six months post-graduation with a six-month delay of any increase in rank. 5. Court-martial will take place if any further infractions occur in the probationary period. You must sign and date the following page and return it to Secretary Valencia, stating you understand the decision and accept the consequences. Fair winds. Select committee in charge of discipline. Raheem grins as he hands it to Fred. Well, you did help me with my fighting form, and Fred can actually run the whole course now. Too bad you can't fight in the smoker. You'd do well. Yeah, I give a chuckle. Probably for the best. I don't think I should be known for hitting people. Raheem quietly laughs with me. Fred looks up from the letter and grins at me. You are crazy, cat, but I'm glad you're part of our class. Remind me to skip the kitchen for the next month, though. I give another small laugh, blink fast at these unexpected sentiments and smile. Then, taking a deep breath, I stand and walk down the rows until I reach the front row on the right, where Petra, Waverly, and Michelle sit whispering together. The officers in front of the class turn and watch me closely. I stand at attention in front of the women, who stop their whispering and look at me. The hum of conversation in the hall fades slowly to silence. I feel all the eyes on me. I look directly at Michelle and speak in a strong voice that can be heard throughout the room. Trooper Michelle Romero, I would like to formally and publicly apologize for striking you with my rear hook. I shall not repeat that mistake. In my head, I add, I'll use a liver punch next time. I smile warmly at her. There's a quick, quiet discussion among the triplets, and then Michelle looks at me and stammers. Uh, okay, thank you. Petra and Waverly have their hands on her arms protectively, as if I couldn't flatten all three. My pleasure. I pivot sharply and practically march back to my seat, where Fred and Raheem and the rest of what are apparently my almost friends are smiling. I am again decked out in my dress uniform. My newly acquired three-cornered black hat sits jauntily on my head, and the accompanying red silk scarf is tied about my waist over my belt that now has one thread of red. I'm no longer a recruit. I've graduated and am now a trooper in the Bosch Pirate Force, and I am drunk. Not excessively drunk, just drunk enough to get my tattoo. I peer at the line of vans parked in a row, each serving the purpose of a shop, and each holding tattoo artists from all over Bosch. I don't know one from the other, so I use a children's counting rhyme. Heat and storms and fires rage pick the one that is my age. One, two, three. The rhyme had seemed faster when I was in single digits. I reach 20, and my finger is pointing toward Adam's tattoo and piercing. Good enough, my whiskey-addled brain decides, and I head toward it. I walk up the stairs and find most of my shit-show unit members. Aiden sits with his shoulder bared, being tattooed, while Michelle sits on his lap, giggling. 
I look at his brown hair and blue eyes and think, not for me. Well, she got what she wanted. Lance has brown hair too. I remember overhearing the triplets talk and they dropped words like chestnut and caramel in describing these two, but I can't be bothered. Lance is over in another chair and the tattooist is wiping clean the area on his back where his tattoo was placed. Each one has the same design. The design I will ask for. A black vessel that looks more like a flying sailing ship than a modern Bosch airship is silhouetted in front of the moon. It flies a red flag, and underneath it are two crossed pirate daggers and the letters BPF. It is the symbol of the force. Lance stands, gingerly replacing his shirt, which has the honor ribbon attached to it, and looks disdainfully at me before moving over to where Aiden and Michelle are. I slowly rotate my head their way and slightly slur a greeting. Hi, fellow troopers. Nice art. Where's yours, Michelle? <laughs> Let me guess. Lower back. She looks at me for a moment and nods. I cackle. <laughs> Knew it. Well, where are you getting yours then? She sounds a bit defensive. I grin and raise my left arm, pulling off the sleeve I've used to cover my brand since arriving on Bosch. I make a show of dramatically throwing the sleeve into the trash. Here. I turn my arm so they see the mark. Their faces drop in the way I hoped they would. I plop down in the chair recently occupied by Lance. The artist barely looks at me and inquires with a bored tone. Where would you like it? He must have done a dozen of these designs already tonight. I flop my left arm down, palm up, and point next to my brand. Right here. He pauses and looks at the raised, thickened skin in the shape of a circle with a T crossed through it, all emblazoned on my forearm. He then looks at my face. You want me to cover this then? That's what I always had imagined I would do. Cover it, demolish it, remove it from existence. But not now. No, next to it. I want the world to know I have been enslaved and am now free and I am Bosch and a member of the Force. The artist grins. Well then, let's get to work and let's make this one special. I am pleased with the design and want to show it off. The artist gave me another shot of whiskey before I left and had taken one himself as he closed his van for a well-deserved break. I know where I want to go and I move more or less in a straight line to Bosch Hall. I look up and see the light in the windows on the third floor. Good, he's there. It's late and the guard is one I haven't seen before, but he looks at my hat, which is a bit askew now, and my newly wrapped arm and waves me through. I climb the long flights of stairs and head to Teddy's third floor office. Betsy has gone home a long time ago. The door to the office is ajar and I hear voices. I knock and push the door open at the same time. Teddy looks up and General Baldwin turns his head from where he sits in front of the desk. Well, look here. Teddy's voice is a warm rumble. It's a newly graduated trooper. Come, have a drink with your master commander and a lowly general. I hear General Baldwin scoff at the dig as he stands and walks over to get another glass and the bottle to refresh his and Teddy's as well. I look at the man sitting behind the desk. He has broad shoulders and has kept himself in shape for a man almost 60. His eyes are always so kind, with all the creases radiating from their corners. He has told me to call him Papa. I've been calling Miriam Mama for a couple weeks now and it feels right. I think I will call him Papa now that I've graduated. I wanted to ask you if you were proud of me, Teddy. He laughs. This is our inside joke. Now, do you really want to close our graduation by killing your MC? I laugh as well. I tease Teddy on the regular that it would likely kill him to tell me he is proud of me.
Well, let's see it. Teddy points to my arm. I carefully remove the cover and hold my arm out. General Baldwin leans over and gives an appreciative whistle. Teddy nods. That's one of the finest I've seen. Your artist really put effort into that one. I look at the vessel, the moon, and the daggers. Adam added in some clouds that break like waves on the vessel. Curved beneath the daggers and the BPF initials, he inscribed the word freedom in what he says is a pirate script. And above it, he put my graduation date. I sit down in the chair Teddy has brought over for me. Well, girl, you made it. I made it. I nod, feeling very self-satisfied. Then my brain nudges me and I sit a bit straighter. Teddy, how are those girls? Where are they? I glance at General Baldwin, realizing my mistake at sharing that information. No worries, Trooper. I know the situation. The general holds his hand up. There's not much I don't share with Miles, Cat. Teddy remarks. You'll find you can trust him as you trust me. He nods at the general. The girls are safe and sound. We will return those who want to return to the New Caribbean, and those that don't can stay here. I'll work with the council to make the immigrant center something that actually aids those wanting to become Bosch instead of creating blockades. I lean forward and pull my left thumbnail back and forth between my two front teeth, considering my next words, then sit up straight and look at the general, and then at Teddy. Papa? I see his face soften as I use the title for the first time. We are Bosch. I am Bosch. I press my right fist to my chest. I enjoy making that claim. Teddy smiles and I continue. I had said that I wanted to go back and find Carissa and get even with him. Now Teddy's face grows serious and he nods. I take a deep breath and forge ahead. Well, I've decided that I want more than that. I want to take from him what he took from me, freedom. And I want to end the practice of keeping humans as property, not just on Bell Coast, not just in Fairno, but across the globe. I gesture at the map of the world inlaid on his desk. I feel a twinge of righteous anger start to boil up as I wait for a response. Teddy and the general soberly face each other for a long moment. The gruff voice is soft as he begins. I told you that learning to fly, to fight, and to shoot would give you strength. Enough strength that no one could hurt you like you had been hurt. And now you have mastered those skills. I believe you have that strength. Teddy stands and walks over to the glass doors that lead to a small balcony. But your own strength will only take you so far if you plan to even the score with that dog and others and dismantle a system that has developed and flourished over the past 300 plus years. A system that, unfortunately, we too play a part in. He turns to face me. For that you will need power and allies. And you must learn to wield that power and lead those allies. I wrinkle my brow. I'm no leader. Just ask my sergeant or any of the officers that have been part of recruitment. I shake my head. And I want to do something now, not in a hundred years. Teddy grins and looks at General Baldwin. The impatience of youth, right, Miles? Miles Baldwin raises his dark eyebrows. You've never been particularly patient, MC. And you aren't what I'd call young. A snort comes from Teddy. There's truth in that. He swivels his focus back to me. A successful mission takes planning, and yes, some patience. You've, you got through to graduation without being court-martialed. You have skills you need to hone before you start to rework Bosch and the world to be better places. 
My anger reduces to a simmer. I have so much to learn. I can barely make friends. How will I know if someone is an ally? And how much power will it take? You need enough power so you can go in knowing you can outgun your enemy, Teddy says in a very matter-of-fact voice. As far as knowing your allies, he pauses and General Baldwin continues for him. You'll know them as you need them. Like when you needed people to speak on your behalf to the committee. Those were allies then. General Baldwin smiles at me. And you'll know them as you move toward your goal. They'll be the ones on the same side as you. Teddy nods in agreement. I look at them both. So are you two my allies then? Both men give sharp laughs and lean back looking at me. Perhaps I push too far. Then the master commander of Bosch and one of his generals look at each other, then grin and nod. Teddy smiles at me. Yes, my girl. We are your allies.